Hi, and welcome to The Messed Up Counselor. Um, my name's Ian Wallace. I've been a counselor now for 27 years. And what I'd like to do today is just have a time with you talking about separation and divorce. A lot of my work with couples is around all sorts of life's conflicts and changes and how couples can change and change together so that they understand what the other person's going through. When it comes down to separation and divorce uh, with couple work, then the role that I have tends to change in a sense that um, when I'm working with a couple to make the relationship better, then obviously we're processing things to make everybody understand each other and to get more connected and more committed and more enjoyable and make life pleasant and have a great time. When we're looking at separation and divorce, it's a slightly different process in a sense that we're still looking for communication and understanding, but we're also looking to effectively have an amicable separation. That's not easy because usually the reason why people want to separate or get divorced is because some things happened, some conflicts happened, some situations happened that they can't really um, get over. They can't put it behind them. So they see the only way is, is to leave, is to separate. When we're working with that, then we're trying to look for the best way to do that. And that, as I said, is not easy because of this conflict or this situation that's occurring. Now, when the couple are just a couple and they have no family and no children, then that's sometimes an easier process in a sense that people can just separate, divorce, move out, and they will naturally um, disengage from friends maybe they had together or you know, people that the other partner knew, things that they did. So they just move away from each other, which is sometimes a lot easier. Still painful, obviously, because usually it's at a point where both people don't want to separate or divorce. Um, one person does, the other person probably is not wanting to do so. So one person's leading that process, making that choice and decision, and the other person is having to put up with it, basically. So when we move through that process, when we're looking at families, we're looking at children being involved, then it becomes a lot more complex because people then start wanting to separate, wanting to go away from each other, move away from each other. Um, usually there might be some commitments such as houses or items that have to be separated, organised to share in some way, shape or form. And it comes down to that process which is the bits and pieces of the relationship, the items, the houses, the cars, the dogs, the kids and when it becomes the kids then obviously that creates a major problem for the unit, the family. So when we're talking about separation and divorce we have to really start to look at a different way of working as counsellors. We have to look at trying to separate for the sake of the children and the family. So the reason why they want to separate actually becomes less important. The separation becomes 
the process. And so we say to couples, clients, that we're going to do this for the benefit of the children, of the family. And it doesn't matter whether the children are children or adults, it still has the same repercussions, usually. Because then the children have to basically make choices. And they don't have any choice. It's been done to them. Their family has been split. And they have no choice in that process. Because their parents have decided that they don't want to be together anymore. So when it's children, um, we do tend to work differently as couple counsellors. So in sharing this with you today, hopefully I can give you some, some ideas, some direction as to what might be the best way to do that for the sake of the children. Because they don't have the choice, as I've said, and they don't really want this to happen. And they will be actively attacking the parental figures, one or the other, and in order to try and make the world safe again because this world is going to be unsafe for them. And it's going to be a very insecure process for them. And that process means that they will have to make some kind of behavioural noises to get their point across. So you might get unruly kids. You might get challenging kids. You might get challenging behaviour from kids. And all they're trying to do is tell you, in a sense, that they're hurting. They don't want this. They don't want this to happen. They want it to be the way it was. And usually, certainly if they're young children, they'll keep wanting to do that long after the separation and divorce. They'll get involved in new partners maybe, new families, and they'll create disturbances because they're going from one parental figure to another usually, sometimes spent with each, usually more with one than the other. Um, and that process means that they're going to be dipping back into each other's families and they're going to be bringing that grief back with them every time they visit, every time they come in. So if you can get it right at the beginning, it makes it less of a problem later on. So when you're looking at separation divorce, always, always, always think about what you do, how you do what you do affects the children. It's not about you anymore. It's not about your pain and your suffering, your angst about why this is happening. It's about the children and it's about how you are now, both parents usually, are going to impact on those kids and how that message is going to get taken into their world, their life as they grow up and they have relationships. Because whatever you give them is the world. They're not born with the world. You give them the world. And the messages you give them, the scripts you give them, the ideas, experiences you give them, is going to be what they take forward. So it's helpful to try and get it right as it's happening. So that's about, which is going to be really, really hard, but that's about communication. That's about respecting and valuing each other for the sake of the children. So when you're thinking about divorce, before you even get to contemplate making it a legal process, you have to start thinking, talking, sharing about how you're going to do that together in order for the children not to have to take sides. Because that's what they do. They take sides. 
and they naturally take sides and they naturally generate to the one that they believe is most emotionally hurt or hurting. And that's why you find children taking those stances because they believe one of their parents is hurting more than the other and they will gravitate towards that person. They'll want to spend more time with that person, which I know is not fair if you're both parents and you both love your kids, which most parents do, then you want to spend more time with them, but they will wait and they will shake and they will move that process for you. So at the beginning, when even the contemplation means it might happen, start having conversations with each other that are respectful and valuing for the sake of that split on effect on the children. The first thing you need to do is think about how you're going to make that happen in all this turmoil that's going on usually. How are we going to find space and time to do that? Are you all want to spend time with the other person? Obviously, because they're usually doing something you don't want to do, certainly for the person that's being left, so to speak. But you have to find space and time to do it for the sake of children it's not about you two anymore it's not about what's happened to you two anymore it's about how you two now affect those people and hopefully you both love and care about them so that's the reason why the work as a couple council changes and why we emphasize for the sake of the children so when you're moving through that process the conversations you have to have is how is what we next do the next step going to inform them what are they going to take from it how are they going to work with it so at every point in that process before anything happens they need to be aware they need to know beforehand of any changes any situations that's going to affect them of change if you can do that then you'll make this process this journey a lot easier for everybody including you because the less they have the behavioural conflict, the less that's going to affect you. So thinking about, okay, how do we tell the kids? What do we tell the kids? The kids need to know everything ahead of it happening. Because if we create a change that we're not aware of, then the other person will feel very insecure because they didn't see it coming. They hadn't had a chance to think about it, had a chance to kind of get an idea of it, what it might be like. Their questions haven't been answered. So if suddenly one day you just say, right, I'm leaving, and you take the kids with you, and that might be because that has to happen. You know, sometimes domestic violence is occurring, and the kids and the adult have to leave. That's the worst-case scenario. But uh, in most cases, um, it's about making an effective, amicable separation. So when we're moving through that process, identify how this effect change is going to be seen by those people. So you might think, okay, so nothing's going to happen now. We're going to wait until it happens. Mm, not usually a good idea. You'll find they do challenge you on that process. So preempting things is a good idea, even after you've separated and divorced. Don't make any changes without the children being informed. 
they don't need to know the whys and the wherefores they don't need to know the reasons for it they don't need to go into those kind of process that's not the conversation you should have with them so blame is not a good idea to put into the kids heads that one partner is the blame one partner is the problem because they love that other person and you used to presumably because you were together with them so it's not about taking your angst out in those places it's about holding that and being the responsible adult with those people moving forward at every step of that disengagement process is hard to keep that focus it is naturally and we all get it wrong everybody gets it wrong but we learn by that hopefully and we put it right and we apologize and we say sorry and we give our responsibility to those people and said this is something I did and I'm not happy about it and I don't feel comfortable with it and I ain't gonna do it again basically so when you're talking about that to the children they say they don't need to know the reasons why the wherefores why the relationship broke down and what happened and because that will only make them take sides even more because one person is the guilty person and that's not something that you want to give your kids to be fair so talking about how the split occurs when it occurs what's the process of it where they're going to be what they're going to do how it's going to work for them is the most important thing and as I said that's not easy to do while you're still in pain and suffering but you have to do that for their benefit you know, those kind of painful moments have to be now out of eye sort of I shot of them it has to be done somewhere where they cannot hear it or see it and there's going to be those painful moments which is why the counselling room is a good place to do it to get those ideas those understandings out because we can help being the third party in that room um, we can help you understand we can help you make some informed choices instead of reactionary choices Reaction choices are never ever good. They aren't, unless it's health and safety. Um, reaction choices are done through an emotional process. We, we react emotionally. We need to make informed choices, planned choices, in order to help those people come to terms with this change, as I've said, that they're not in charge of, and they don't really want, and they're gonna react to in any case, even if you make it the best, amicable separation possible they're still going to react and the process that they engage with is the one that you give them always so have conversations have discussions about what is the next step what is the next process before it happens give them information that is suitable um, and different ages will need different types of information um, nobody will be able to take in so it has to be age appropriate there's a lot of literature on separation and divorce nowadays books that the kids can read and that you can read with them if they're younger children to kind of help them cope with this process of change so if for example you've made the choice to separate then it will be a really good idea once you know that's the choice to then give that information together to the children not one parent or the other 
together. And the reason why I say that is because if they get a a uniformed understanding of what's going on, uh, then they won't challenge you individually. Um, if one parent gives them the information, then pretty much they're going to go to the other parent and say, what's this going on? <laughs> what's happening? You know, this is what I've been told. And that puts the other parent in a situation where they have to kind of do reactions, you know, and uh, it's not been planned. So informed processes are much better. So whatever message you're giving to the kids of any any change, even once you've started the process, you know, there might be another change that's about, I don't know, a holiday you've booked, you know? The kids will say, well, are we going on the holiday? Who's going on the holiday? Where are we going on the holiday? So anything that changes in any way that affects them, they need to be aware of it beforehand. And that's down to the parents to be responsible, to do properly for the benefit of them. So if you have that conversation together and you have a, an agreed process that you're going to give to them, not one person saying, this is what I'm going to tell them, and you have to put up with it, that won't work. Um, so you agree the process, you agree the information, and then both of you together give it to the children and give it to all at the same time and don't have separate meetings with separate kids unless you have to. Try to give them it together and say, not from an emotional response process, which is not going to be easy, that's going to be hard, what you've both agreed the next step is going to be. The kids then will be shocked, obviously, unless they saw it coming. Usually they do. Be surprised how many couples say to me, we never argue in front of the kids. They don't know we're having problems. Uh, yes, they do. Sorry. <laughs> we pick things up in all sorts of different ways, from the environment, from energy, from facial features, uh, from changes. You know, they're not spending time together anymore. You know, um, they're not cooking meals the way they used to. All these kind of subtle changes of time and uh, and interactions uh, give them clues and they're going to make their own ideas up from those clues. Uh, and that's not a good idea because that'll use their imagination and other experiential processes to understand what's going on. So give them the information there and then. Make it so that they feel comfortable with that process. Uh, as much as possible. So they're never going to be fully comfortable with it. Uh, how it's going to affect them. What is going to change in their lives? How is it going to be changed? You know, they'll want to go further forward than you're probably doing at that moment. So you might be talking about, I don't know, would they, this is a time we're going to separate. Um, then the kids will be thinking, okay, you know, where we're going to go to school. What about our friends? What about our connections? What about family? Are we going to see grandma and granddad again? Are we going to see uncles and aunties again? They're going to have a range of things that they feel very close to and people they feel close to and how that's going to be affected. Now, hopefully, if you can do an amicable separation, then no other third party, grandmas, granddads, uncles, aunts, um, relationships need to be affected they will have their own view of what you're doing and their own view of what you should do usually and definitely give you those views usually um, but it's not down to them but if they your parents don't feel as though they need to come 
to support you to to fight your battles for you because this other person's done this that or the other and they can see that what you're trying to do is the benefit of their grandkids to make it as good as you can for them most people can suck it up most people can not have to interact with the process but if they see their loved one hurting they're naturally going to want to come to their side and their aid and fight their battles with them and then it gets very messy the process of divorce has changed legally in a sense now this year there doesn't have to be a fault or a blame that used to be the case somebody needed to have done something had an affair defrauded something whatever there had to be a reason for the reform for the divorce that was blame nowadays we don't uh, thankfully and I say thankfully because for the benefit of the kids usually um, because lots of messy fights used to be done in family courts about things arguments who did what to who and when um, and it got very um, conflict orientated um, solicitors used to be involved obviously um, although you never needed a solicitor to get divorced but most people thought they did um, and then they'd be fighting for their client quite naturally how much they could get from the what process they could get in this separation this split um, nowadays it's different because there's no fault no blame so anybody can separate from anybody else legally which you know for the benefit of the families is a really really good idea um, in my world so from that point of view you don't need to have a reason to divorce nowadays so when you're talking about the changes and the ideas of change and what the outcomes of those changes are going to be for the for the kids and those meetings that you're going to have with them I would suggest you have them fairly often fairly regular even if nothing's changed um, still have a meeting and checking how they feel where they are what's going on for them any questions they may have obviously um, and if they do have questions of you individually which they will do when they spend time with you then try to give the other partner an understanding of what that encounter was what the, what the queries were what the fears were worries were and what you were talking about so that when those children go back to the other partner um, then you've got an idea of what's been said and what outcomes being given so you're both speaking really as much as possible with one voice the children don't get different voices different ideas different reasons they get one voice and that voice means they can cope most kids are quiet resilient to be fair um, they've gone through loads of changes in their lives already as, as a person so most kids are resilient as long as they don't know they need to support one parent or the other and then they're usually okay so when you're going through that process regular meetings certainly if something's going to change as soon as possible that you know about that change you should be impacting that information onto those people that you love and you care about try not to do any fighting in front of them verbally or physically try not to have any outbursts if you need to have those then have them away from the home not in the home 
And so you'd be surprised how many parents say, my kids never know we're fighting. They will do. They will know. Believe me, they will know. So if there is any disturbance needed to be done, then find a couple counsellor, because that's where those things can be ironed out. Um, or find a coffee shop that's pretty quiet and you can have those kind of discussions. Or just in the car, you know, both of you, sat in a car park. Somewhere where it's away from other people, away from disturbances, so neither one of you will feel guilty or shameful or, you know, upset or anything about people being aware of it. When we're going into the actual separation, or the legal process, if you like, then that, generally speaking, doesn't necessarily have to take an awful lot of time. It can go fairly quickly nowadays, dependent on situations and how much you've got and how much needs to be split and what kind of details, what kind of agreements you have to have. Um, so as you're going through that, the person who's activated that separation, the person who said, I've had enough, whatever, uh, they kind of come to as an understanding. Um, that person is going to be the one that drives it usually, more so, certainly in the initial stages. The other person who really didn't have a choice, it's just something they're going to have to put up with, um, is going to be less happy. Um, the one that's driving it has usually been thinking about it for an awful long time. It's not usually an instant decision. Um, so they've had time to come to terms with this process, um, their choice, their decision. The other person hasn't. And so it's going to be probably a shock to them. Even if many times before you've said, I'm going to leave. Um, usually when you do leave or you do separate, it is a shock still. So they're going to be probably more hurt or upset. They probably want to fight more, want to get their voice heard more because they didn't have a choice. So it's really helpful if you can listen to that voice, which I know will be emotionally charged, obviously. But if you can listen to it, if you can understand, it's their reaction to this change. It's their reaction to insecurity. It's their reaction to what may or may not happen next. And can they trust what you were saying? Can they trust what you're going to do? Because they did trust you to be in this relationship, but now you're ending it. So the trust will be really, really hard for them to come to terms with. And you're going to, the person that's driving it, you're going to have to listen to some of that. And that's hard when you're making a choice because you don't have any choice. And somebody's really having a go at you for making that choice. You're going to want to come back with arguments and blame and counter arguments and tit for tat, if you like. If you've made the choice, you've made the choice. Why you've made the choice is, is not necessarily needed. But you've made a choice. And the other person didn't have a choice. So you do have to kind of hold your emotions hold attacking verbally, blaming. When you're doing that, don't bring other people, other family members, other friends, other colleagues, whatever, into that process. Um, this is about you too. This isn't about anybody else. Because if you bring other people in to try and support you, 
try and bring that process uh, while you're emotionally charged then the likelihood is they're going to start wanting to get involved give you ideas give you information this is what you should do this is what you shouldn't do and they can create some disturbance with that which will come back into the couple naturally so it's best that the couple decide the couple agree and the couple then give it to the kids so once you've given those messages to the kids once you've had those family meetings of the change that's going to occur then it's best also for the closest people that those kids connect to grandparents you know uh, your sisters or brothers um, aunties uncles siblings of them um, to give those people ideas of what's going on as well so that the kids when they talk to those people they don't get different ideas they don't get different views different situation scenarios they kind of look at it and they can get one voice again it won't be the same voice obviously it'll be different but if it's got the same ideas in the voice um, it will give the kids that security of knowledge of knowing that they are being informed and they know what's going on it's never an easy time as I've said but if you can try to make it as easy as possible amicable as possible then the less fallout in future years you will have so say you've gone through that divorce separation process and you've come to a point where you're both separated spending time with the kids separately um, people often ask me is it a good idea to spend time as a family i.e. the two parents with the kids and generally speaking I would say yes I don't mean maybe holidays you know long periods of time together but maybe you know when the, the, the young people are having birthdays or you know celebrations of some sort Christmas um, that you kind of get together as a family to have some kind of meal some kind of interactive process where all of you are together if you can I don't mean every week every month but every so often just so that they can see that the continuity of what's been said is what is actually happening because they will only see that when you're both together they'll see when you're both together whether or not you really do tolerate each other whether you do respect and value each other um, and it's a good idea that they can see that they can see that process because then when they have relationships when they grow forward then they can see that actually yeah sometimes relationships end but it doesn't have to be bad it doesn't have to be horrible it doesn't have to be a world war three process we can do that and we still can be friends and still can be connected because those young people they're going to have situations in their well their life they're maybe going to have I don't know um, plays at school they're going to have achievements they're going to have maybe university they're going to have maybe engagements and weddings all those things are going to happen and you too need need to be able to be in the same room as each other respect and value each other for the benefit of the children because it's not their fault 
that you two decided to split. It's not their fault that they've been put in this position. They're the fallout. They're the things that are going to, unfortunately, keep with them for the rest of their lives. Bear that in mind when you think about these things. That whatever you do, it's going to affect them in some way, shape or form. Kids react one of two ways, usually. Well, all human beings react one of two ways, usually. We either internalise, we take our emotions and, and bury them, or we externalise. Uh, you'll know the difference. Externalise, externalise straight away. You say something to an externalizer, you get it straight back. <laughs> the bullet between the, the kind of forehead, between the eyes. Um, they will just rant at you as whatever you've said to them. If they're not happy, they, you will know it. Internalizers not. They dwell on it. They take it in. They think about it. They produce their own processes with it. The reason why that's important is when children are being affected by separation and divorce is that if you know whether or not you've got an internalizer or an externalizer, because an internalizer will go quiet, they won't really say much. They'll think an awful lot, but they won't say much. So they bury their emotions. Now it's a bit like, you know, a volcano. They're burying their emotions and there's only a point where the emotions can be buried then it erupts like a volcano and you get outbursts of behavior over really trivial silly stupid things that usually would not create conflict so it might be you know um, you've not given them the tea in the way that they wanted it the sausages aren't cooked correctly whatever something small um, then they'll have a massive outburst you've got an internalizer when the outburst is not in relation to the situation, you're going to internalise it. As a counsellor, I work with young people. I am more worried about quiet young people than explosive young people. Explosive young people I get, I understand, I can see, I can hear, I can get some interactive process of understanding. Quiet ones, no. If your child is normally a very interactive, responsive child and you're going through separation divorce and they suddenly change to be an internaliser, then you need to be worried. You need to connect. You need to talk. You need to go to them. I know they're not giving you grief. I know they're being quiet in the room, on the radio, on the iPad, on the interactive games, whatever it is. But still talk to them. Don't think because they're quiet they're all right usually that's not the case with these situations they're usually not able to talk about what they're feeling what they're thinking and that will unfortunately come out somewhere in the future and neither i don't think any parent i've ever worked with when i've said about for the benefit of the children have said that they don't care about their kids i've never heard anybody say that yet every single one of them wants to do the best for their kids thankfully so it's about putting your own differences apart on the side and it's about working with that process for them for the benefit of the kids that's the focus so you have to keep in your mind in here 
this is for the benefit of the kids no matter what I'm feeling no matter what I'm thinking what's happening to me I have to be the responsible adult I don't want to be the child as you move forward whatever changes occur as I've said always always inform the kids prior to the change always have conversations keep the lines of communication open not through a solicitor or through a legal body try and keep it in the way it should be you and them talking sharing for the children's sake not about the relationship not about you not about the problems you'd had or are having everything that affects the kids and should be the thing that's been talked about and then hopefully even though it's a massive change it is a massive change for everybody then at least you'll have something that resembles some security some platform that the kids can anchor to and some kids will feel that the separation divorce is, is a is a great you know exciting time i'm going to have two bedrooms i'm going to have two houses i'm going to have all these kind of things which they will have so for some it's very exciting but also when they're in those places they will miss the other partner the other parent yeah and thinking for the future if you want to connect with another person in a relationship a new partner always a good idea that you have conversations together first if it's got to a point where somebody's becoming a, a new partner uh, maybe not be moving in or sharing but they are becoming closer they're becoming more committed you need to have a conversation together because the kids will be affected by that they will not know what to do and they'll want to see that that new partner if their mum or their dad is accepting that person then they'll want to see you're accepting them as well and that is definitely not easy but again it's for the benefit of the kids so they can see no no difference no one person being hurt because they will gravitate towards the one they believe is being hurt the most and then you'll get a reaction which will be helpful for anybody including the new partner because they will try and push that new partner out they will make it really difficult to you to have that relationship usually uh, they will react to that new man or woman being brought into their life and being their new um, parental figure who's going to tell them what to do who's going to chastise them who's going to tell them off those are really hard things to kind of get your head around sometimes so if you are having a new partner new relationship uh, then please before you get into that please have a conversation with your ex-partner so that you both can give that information to the kids so that they can see that they don't have to take sides it's always 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 about not having to take sides the kids not being the responsible people who have to make the decisions don't give them that don't give them that responsibility it's not fair it's not right you've made a choice and decision it's not theirs to support it or not support it it's theirs to be able to connect to both parents and be able to love both parents still and not see each either parent as a bad person yeah 
They may have done something that was not nice. They may have been doing something that was disrespectful. They may do that, but that's to you, that's not to their kids. So you need to find a way of doing that. Find a way of showing that process to the kids. Hopefully that's been helpful to you. Hopefully you've taken some ideas of how this process might be easier for the benefit of the kids. You probably won't be able to do that on your own. You probably will need external help. And if you do, then find a couple counsellor. Couple counsellors are different to individual counsellors. They are. We are a different breed. There's a different process of skills, different ways of interacting. Um, it's not the same as individual counselling. It's a totally different format. And we need to train to be a couple counsellor because of that. So if you do have to and want to connect to, make sure the couple counsellor is somebody who is adequately trained and experienced to do the work. Don't just believe any counsellor can be a couple counsellor because they can't. It is completely different way of working. And then you can maybe have that non-judgmental, somebody who won't take sides, who will just be there to help you steer through this horrible journey for the benefit of your children. My name is Ian Wallace. I'm the messed up counsellor. Take care. Enjoy.